Welcome to Diva Change Mystified, where we dive deeper in special topics around our project. The goal is to bring answers to some tricky questions and maybe bust some myths. We are Kugi and Lord Mark, and today's topic is What's the truth about the impermanent loss? <laughs> Fantastic, Kugi, welcome back to the show. Good to have you. How are you today? Uh, I'm fine, thanks. We have an interesting topic today. <laughs> we have a seriously interesting topic. So we did a little bit of kind of a pre-show where we discussed what we want to talk about. And I think we're going to bust a couple of myths and we're going to explain some really, really interesting facts and features. Kugi, I think we just jump right in. Uh, we switch to your fantastic graphics that you prepared. <laughs> and then... <laughs> No, they are super helpful. We got very, very positive feedback. Uh, simple, but effective. That's very important. Okay, Kugi, let's start. What do we want to talk yeah, about today, in detail? Today, no, no animations. Um, no, no, oh, sorry. That's yeah, as, <laughs> as always, the, the impermanent loss, the, the history of the impermanent loss is a history full of misunderstandings, <laughs> as we always say. As always. Um, yeah, if, if, we, <laughs> if we talk about the impermanent loss, because um, the impermanent loss is a a thing, a myth that's floating around for a long time and everybody seems to understand different things about it. But if we want to understand the impermanent loss, um, we need to start deeper or at the beginning. So again, let's, let's go into the, the details first. Um, when we talk about um, impermanent loss, it's regarding decks, it's regarding a pool on the decks, and it's regarding um, the automated market making and how that works. So um, we have here a nice graphic of a pool on our DEX. Um, such a DEX pool always consists of two assets. And within this pool, um, those two assets are per definition always the same value. So you have a number of coins on each side. So in this case, um, it's USDD and DFI pool. Um, actually, the asset itself, the tokens, doesn't matter what it is. For the pool, for the mechanics, for the, for the logic behind it, it's all the same. Just use USDD DFI because then it's a bit easier to do. So it could follow. be bananas and pineapples would ex work exactly the same in some way. If you do a, a DEX a tokens for that and do a pool for that, it works exactly the same. Okay. Exactly. Um, so it's just tokens on the left side and the right side. And we just say now we have 100 tokens of USDD on the left side and 10 tokens of DFI on the right side. Mm -hmm. And as I said, per definition, um, the pool says the amount of tokens on the right side has the same value as the tokens on the left side. There is that's, that's the definition of the pool. There is no what's the price of the left side or the right side. Because of this um, number of ad tokens on the left side and number of tokens or coins on the right side, um, we have the ratio. And this ratio, so this pool currently has a ratio of 100 to 10, which means in this pool, one DFI is now worth 10 USDT. No matter what's the external price or what, how it's traded somewhere else, that's what this pool defines because the pool knows nothing about the outside world. It doesn't care about the outside world. This is what the pool does. And if you own 1% of this pool, if you add liquidity to this pool, if you add liquidity, you always have to add liquidity in the, 
current ratio of the pool. So it doesn't matter what's happening outside. If you want to add liquidity to this pool, you need to add 10 USDT for every DFI that you're adding. So for example, you could add um, 0.1 DFI and one USDT. Then you own 1% of the pool and the, the ratio doesn't change. The ratio between on the left and the right, it's just in total more tokens in this pool, more liquidity in the pool. But when you add liquidity, it doesn't change the ratio. Same when you remove liquidity, you would always remove, no matter what you put in in the first place, you will always remove it at the current ratio of the pool, 50-50 um, in value. And the value again is the pool decides that the value is exactly 50-50 between those, those coins. So that's how the, the pool itself works, how the tokens are. The only thing that changes this ratio within the pool um, is a swap. So let's look at the swap. Um, let's say someone decides to put in one DFI and wants to swap mm -hmm. DFI for USDT. So on the one side, we put in DFI, one DFI, and now we want to know how much USDT will we get out for this one DFI. And here comes the math. Today we have math. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, it's simple, but that's, that's the fundamental formula for every automated market maker, basically. Because um, when you talk about automated market maker, it means exactly this mechanism that we say a market maker is someone who makes a market, who provides liquidity to people who want to swap. And the automated mm -hmm. market maker is exactly this pool that we say we have a liquidity in the pool. And there is some logic behind that if you swap in put in one DFI, you get a price in USDT out. But and that means, Kyge, sorry to interrupt, this automated market maker is not a super complicated whatever in the background. It's a simple formula. So it's very transparent. It's not a black box. Everybody knows, everybody can see exactly how the pool works, right? Exactly. The, the automated market maker is just this ratio of assets in the pool. And the formula is pretty simple. It's just like the number of tokens on the left, on the one side multiplied by the number of tokens on the right side is needs to be constant. Mm -hmm. So my reserve in DFI times my reserve in USDT is a constant number. And this constant number, it's different constant number for each pool. Mm -hmm. But within this pool, this constant number is not changing and especially not changing by um, a swap. So if you add liquidity to the pool, um, you add it on both sides, the ratio stays the same. Um, but through the swap, you don't change that number. So now you have 10 DFI in, you have 100 USDT in, 10 times 100 is 1,000. And now the question is, when we add one DFI, what will happen? Mm -hmm. A bit more errors, a bit more stuff. But afterwards, after we swapped, we will have the number of DFI that we had before plus the one DFI that we put in and this new reserve in DFI times the resulting reserve in USDD. So our reserve what we had before minus the output needs to be the same constant. We know 10 plus one, we can do that is 11. 11. It, 11 times something needs still to be a thousand. So we know that this thousand can be calculated by so uh, this, this, a thousand, this number can be calculated a thousand by divided, a thousand divided by, 11. by 11. Okay. 
Unfortunately, it's not a nice number, but okay. So we get, we know afterwards there will be 90.90, and actually it's 90.90, 90, 90, 90, 90, <laughs> um, USDD in the pool, which means from 100 to 90.90, we get a 9.09090909 USDD out. And that's it. That's how the automated market maker works. That's how swap works. That's the, the logic behind it. There is nothing more to it. But there's a lot of implications. And um, let's, oh, first, just one thing that we don't miss it because all these calculations is now without any fees. Mm -hmm. Just that we once mention it, if you have fees, the logic is still the same. It's just when you put in something, first you get taken the commission that reduces your input into the swap. If there's a fee on, the, on one of the sites, an in fee or out fee, this gets taken from your input. So you pay the fee, then you do the swap, and then you get the out fee. And from the out fee, um, from the result that you get out of the swap, the out fee is reduced uh, or taken from the from the um, result, and then you get a reduced result. So that reduces your outcome, but the logic, the calculations within the swap are the same. So okay. So that means to sum it up, the the ingoing fees happen impact the value that goes into the pool. And then there are fees that impact the outcome at the end. But the calculation is the same, isn't affected by any fees at all. It's just little. Exactly. The, okay. Mm -hmm. the swap itself is the same. It's just as it as it says, in fee mm -hmm. is the, the fee that's on the inside, on the on the move in, out fee is the fee on the move, move out. Um, and now we say, okay, this is the, the changed pool. Um, we had first 100 to 10. Um, we had this formula, and now we have 90.90 .90 on the USDD side and 11 on the DFI side. And again, now the, the pool says per definition 90.90 .90 USDD are worth the same amount, uh, uh, has the same value as 11 DFI. And therefore, if we divide that, we see now this pool defines one DFI is worth 8.26 USDD. And that's how the pool changed. Mm -hmm. One important thing to note here is that we had a, a price of 10 USDD per DFI. We swapped in one DFI, but we didn't get the full 10 USDD because we swapped in a big amount compared to the liquidity because there are 10 DFI liquidity in and we swap in 10% of the liquidity. So we move the pool a lot. So we have slippage and that's the slippage that everybody's talking about when they say, okay, what's the slippage? We thought the pool was at 10 USDD per DFI, but we got out 9.09, .09, so kind of 10% slippage because we put in a lot of um, DFI. It's just, um, it's not exactly 10% and it's just, um, yeah, that's random. That's, uh, uh, um, yeah, it's not always if you put in 10% of liquidity that you get a 10% slippage. The less, the less uh, ratio you put in, the less you put in, the less slippage you have and it's going kind of exponentially. So if you get huge, um, um, if you put in like 10 DFI, you would have more than um, that slippage. Or it's, it's not linear slippage. Short question. Um, um, so yeah. that, that you mentioned slippage now, on the light wallet, I can set something that is called slippage. But that's what I set there is not really the slippage, the slippage, right? What I can set in light wallet is more the max price. These are slightly no, different that, that, things. That, that's, right. that's, that's the slippage. It, it is kind of the slippage, 
Because when you think about it, I put in one DFI, then I get take, from the one DFI I get taking commission, I get taking in fee, then I have to swap. This might change the price, mm -hmm. therefore I get less out and I get, get taking the commission out. Um, the max price that's underneath it's the max price, mm -hmm. which also defines the max slippage. Because when I say I want to swap one DFI and I want to get out minimum 9.5 USDD, I would need to set the max price. The max price wouldn't be one. I always have to think about if I divide it, I have to do one, one divided by 9.5 or the other way, what's, what's the price? But um, it would be a one divided by 9.5, um, the max price. Uh, so if I say I want to have at least 9.5, um, so the max price I want to pay is one divided by 9.5, then the, 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 the node, the block, the chain would basically say, if I calculate the whole thing, I, I simulate that and I don't get 9.5 out. So your swap is not going through okay. because you said you want at least that amount or you want to pay maximum that price. Um, so it's, it's that. And the light wallet, if you put in a max slippage on a light wallet, it just calculates from the current. So it would say when I say um, I want the max 10% slippage, I think it's basically um, it takes the current ratio of the pool, applies this 10% and takes this number then for the max price. So it's basically the same thing, just that you put it in a slippage and not have to calculate a max price manually. Okay. And Good. that's on the final price after fees and everything. So mm -hmm. if, if there's a high fee, if there's a high commission or anything, if you put, you need to put in a big slippage. If you say we have 10% fee, 20% fee, uh, commission or whatever, you need to have at least that amount of slippage allowed because the slippage is really on the, what you get in compared to what you get out, um, or what you get out compared to the current ratio of the price. Um, so I hope that answers that. Um, the, but what, what I wanted to, 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 to mention here is we have a 10 USDD ratio in the beginning. We get out 9.09, but we move the pool to 8.26. So basically, I mean, it's similar if you think about it as if you trade on a, on a central exchange or on a normal exchange with an order book and you pretend because the automated market maker is basically filling the order book, if you compare it to an order book, filling it constantly with a constant liquidity um, up and down. And if you now do a big market order, you buy on each step in the order book, you buy that. So you move the price up to until you're filled, but your average price is somewhere in the middle between where you started and where the price ends. And that's the same here. We have a slippage for us, what we get at price and the ratio afterwards it's moved further than our slippage. So we are the executed price, the average executed price, as you call it like that, is basically somewhere in the middle between where we move the pool and what you get out. So that means, so Kuge, if, if people compare automated market maker with an order book on a centralized exchange, then maybe the closest what comes to a centralized exchange would be an order that is made as a market order where you don't have a limit but he buys in certain increments, so the price gets constantly higher, 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 higher. So there are no gaps in the prices in some way. Is this the right yeah, way to basically, explain that? Yes, similar. Um, um, so, so, so you're close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the, 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 the rough idea is a market maker on a central exchange is usually puts limit orders at 
0.1% above the price and below the price and okay. have this, mm -hmm. this, uh, this um, bracket where I say, okay, within this and there are orders in that range. Mm -hmm. An automated market maker is basically doing that automatically and continuously. So you have your price and on the minimum, if you would compare it on a minimum uh, price change, so every 0 0.0001 cent, you have a limit order. The automated market maker puts everywhere a limit order. So your order book would just go straight up in a constant line mm -hmm. with these limits and down. So you have this liquidity where you say every step you have a, a limit order that you can fill. And you as a participant can't take a limit order. You can only do market orders because you can only say, I want to buy now one uh, or I want to sell now one DFI and give me the USDD that I get. So it takes all these orders that are there, um, fills them and the automated market maker basically immediately fills the gap below again, continuously with orders at every little price tick. And so that's basically what they said. Therefore, you always have, the, what we always say, you always have the same liquidity on every time, no matter when you look at it, you have the same liquidity um, in both directions and mm -hmm. it's always the full liquidity. And the price only moves if you swap. Then, and you always need the same amount and the same volume to swap it because no matter where you are, you always have this filled order book and you always need to go through that order book to fill, to, to move the market. And it doesn't move because the market maker says, real price is here. I cancel my orders and put my orders up or something. Okay. Um, it's always automated. Algorithmic, so very efficient, no very efficient in some way because efficient and um, agnostic in terms of where the fair value is. There mm -hmm. is no fair value for the, as I said, that's the pool and the pool has its own market that it doesn't care where the price on the sex is. If I'm a 10 USDD DFI, I'm the pool is a 10 USDD DFI. If the price on the sex is at $1, doesn't care. Maybe people buy now or sell now here and, and try it to arbitrage it around. But for the price itself, it's always within itself, perfectly balanced, 50-50 value. The coins are the truth, basically. Okay, fantastic. So, so um, that's basically how the swap works. I think we, we now have, we are, <laughs> I yeah. don't know how long in, but we, we established how a, um, a swap works, um, how the swap shifts the coin ratio in the pool, mm -hmm. but the value ratio is always 50-50. And um, one, one more thing. So if you you had 1% of the pool before, so you, your 1% was 1 USDD and 0 0.1 DFI. Afterwards, the pool shifts. We have a shift in the pool of 18%, basically. And your 1% of the pool is now worth 1% of those coins and 1% of those coins. So now I have 0 0.909 USDD and 0 0.11 DFI. Important to note, I have more DFI and less USDD. Um, so it's always, if the pool shifts, I get more coins of the coin that decreases in value. Um, because DFI now is worth less USDD. So DFI decreased in value kind of, um, and I got more DFI. That's the thing that sometimes people like Daniel Kagawa in the Fireside chat um, mention as dollar cost averaging in and out during the pool. Because if you move in, at one USDD and 
to this uh, 10 USDT per DFI into the pool. And then you stay in the pool, you get the rewards. And when DFI dropped, you get, and you get out afterwards, you basically continuously automated bought DFI with USDT because you, you got, so, so you, you gave some USDT and you got some DFI. So you bought and the other continuously way the, the asset that is decreasing in price. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah. Because you are the automated market maker that continuously sets mm -hmm, the orders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and if it goes the other direction, it's the same. If it goes up, if we start it here and the price shifts up, um, we sell this, the asset that's increasing. So we would have sold kind of, if you say it like that, 0 0.01 DFI and got USDD for it. So you dollar cost average in or out if you want to see it like that in an automated way. Okay, I think we can um, we can bust some myths here, right? Because there are some people out there that say if you do if you pair DFI with a stablecoin, this is a bad idea. No, it's not a bad idea. It could be a strategy where you really dollar cost average in or dollar cost average out. So it's it's not bad. It really depends on your investment strategy. Correct? Exactly. Um, but I would go to the investment strategy after we came we answered our question about the, what is the impermanent loss because we didn't even talk about impermanent okay, loss. Sorry, I was jumping the gun here. Okay, I didn't want to take that away. Good. Then let's go so, there. Let's go um, to the impermanent loss. So mm -hmm. we have now these two states of the pool. As I said before, we are in, in this state and now we are in this state. Pool shifted, the ratio in the pool shifted. What's the impermanent loss? So we have this down and there are two sides of the loss not let's not call it impermanent for now just a loss Quality because loss, the pool yeah. shifted so i have a loss and i have two two ways that i can look at it the first way is in coins if i look at it in coins first i had one usdd plus 0.1 dfi afterwards i have 0.909 usdd and 0.11 dfi um, but this additional 0.01 dfi that i got is only worth 0.0826 based on this ratio USDD now, which is less than the 0.09 USDD that I'm missing because I'm missing here 0.09 USDD, mm -hmm. which means in pure coins calculated, I lost 0.42%. It's also a bit the relation here. The whole pool moved by 18%. The ratio shifted by 18%. And I had an impermanent loss of 0.42%. So a bit to get the, the, the relation. And that's, that's one side of the, the, this loss. If you just think about coins, if you think about value, and that's something where most of the people think about when they talk about impermanent loss, it's what's my dollar value of those coins. And here we can't look at that just from the pool side because the coins it's just a pool. We don't need to know anything from the outside. In dollar value, um, I need a bit of a what is each side worth because um, there is no dollar in here. <laughs> um, so for, for simplicity, let's say one USDD stays at $1, exactly $1, and we do that. Then we had at the beginning, one USDD is $1 plus 0 0.1 times $10 because, because of this ratio, we know um, what it's worth is $2. Also important to note, um, 
the value of the whole, my whole share is exactly twice the value of one side of the share. As we said, the value of both coins, of both sides, is exactly the same. That's the definition of the, of the pool. Um, so we have $2 in the beginning um, value, and we move that to $0.09 because we have USDD, plus 0 0.11 um, DFI times the 8 to 6. So I have now 1.818. Um, again, twice that number, um, dollar value in my pool. So I have a loss here, but that's not the loss we are talking about because the loss we are talking about is the loss compared to if I held the coins. Because if I didn't go into the pool, I just held my one USDD and 0.1 DFI in my wallet. Um, I would have still have $1 for the one um, USDD and my 0.1 DFI would be worth 8.26 now um, because that's the new ratio. Um, then I got $1.826 um, worth now. And mm -hmm. this difference is now the loss we are talking about when people talk about implement loss in your portfolio when you compare holding the assets versus putting the assets into liquidity mining. And here you see that's a bit more than the loss in coins because here we have 0.46% in dollars um, compared to the 0.42% in coins. Also important to note, um, we now have the case where DFI lost in value. Um, it's 100% symmetric. So if it would move up by 18%, um, so by this, we have the same case because for the pool it doesn't matter which coin goes up or down mm -hmm. how the pool shifts in one direction it's always just a comparison between asset a and asset b that's why within the decks um, if you look at the the full note and um, what you get from the from the chain it's always an asset a asset b and it's just a comparison what's asset a worth in asset b and what's asset b worth in asset a so um, even if we went the other direction then we would have more usdd less dfi and still, if we move by the same ratio, um, by the same um, percentage, we still have 0.42% in coins and 0.46% in dollar if we move up 17.4% um, up in this case. Three short um, question. So this, yeah. So we have a loss here, right? To a certain, to a certain yes. percentage. So now the following happens. Now everything reverses. Do we end up at the exactly same values or is there something lost on the way that can't be recovered? Thanks for that question. That was my next point. <laughs> See, how did I know that? If, if, we, if we swap back and now um, we, I mean, swapping back without fees and anything. So mm -hmm. the swap that really hits the pool needs to be the same. Mm -hmm. If we now say, because we got zero, uh, 9.9, USDT out, if someone puts in, puts back in the 0.09 USDT, exactly those 0.09 USDT in, um, we now have 100 USDT in here because this plus the 0.909 is 100, so we are back at 100, which also means based on our formula that we had before, one times the other is the same constant, means we will get one DFI out. Wow. Because first was 11, we, we need to be the same ratio. So if you come back to exactly the same ratio, there is no impermanent, there is no loss. 
because we're back at the same ratio. Um, it's still the same in there. Um, so if it just fluctuates around the price, it's actually not, not, not losing anything it's because it's just shifting the ratio back and forth. And afterwards we're back at the same state where we were before. Nothing changed. Okay. Um, pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, pretty problem here. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cool. So why is it if we go back, this nothing happens. Okay. So that's the reason why it's called impermanent loss as it seems because it's Ex exactly that's that that's why people call it the impermanent loss mm -hmm. because as long as you stay in the pool it's impermanent you you don't lose you lose on paper if you would go out now you would make the impermanent loss permanent and then you you take the loss if you stay in the pool and the pool shifts shifts back it's impermanent because mm -hmm. it's back to where it was before so that's why it's usually called impermanent loss um, because it's not a continuous loss um, and that's also one important thing. Um, if you are a liquidity provider, you put in liquidity and you therefore take the risk. Uh, on the one hand, you, you lock your capital. On the other hand, you take the risk of this impermanent, of this loss. Um, and for this, taking the risk and providing the liquidity, you are rewarded with the rewards and the commission. So you get something out of it. Um, but there is a kind of imbalance between the perceived value of those because the rewards are paid and commission are paid by every block. You continuously get the rewards. Um, they accumulate over time. Um, but after a certain time, when you go out, you suddenly have a loss. You suddenly really get or feel your loss that you have here, the 0.46%. You get that at once when you go out of the pool. So sometimes people are like, oh, no, I'm, I, I closed my, um, uh, my liquidity pool and now I have less USDD than I had before. Comp I mean, than I had before compared to when I moved into the pool. And forget that during the whole time, you added a lot of rewards because you accumulated rewards over time in your, in your wallet. Um, so that's something important to note here and to not forget that the rewards are paid continuously and the loss basically happens when you really yeah realize it um, okay. at the end um, and realizing is leaving forget that mm -hmm. okay <laughs> yeah, if you leave the pool you you feel the loss <laughs> um but don't forget that you got a lot of rewards before that um, because otherwise very very good point so it means in the moment when you leave the pool, the impermanent loss becomes permanent. But then you have to offset the rewards that you earned before against this impermanent loss. And this is most likely, correct me if I'm wrong, the reason why there are rewards kind of to offset your risk as a liquidity provider. Is this... Exactly. What do you ex That's exactly that? why okay. we have rewards, because... Mm -hmm. As a liquidity provider, you need some incentive to do that. You you need some some reason why you provide that liquidity okay. and risk the the loss, um, because otherwise, why would anybody do that and risk the loss um, if there is no reward? Um, there is the rewards and there is the commission. The question mm -hmm. is always how how big is the reward? The commissions are always there. The rewards are slowly going down, um, but you also 
need to consider the loss of the implement loss compared to what the what the reward is even if you are at a 10 percent per apr compared to a 0.46 percent loss it's something um and there we come to the strategies that you had before <laughs> um where it's important to understand that you get a loss mm -hmm. important to understand that, or that, that you risk a loss and um, important to understand how big this loss can be because it's far less than people think if you if the pool shifts and the dfi moves so in this case one asset moves by a hundred percent compared to the other asset the impermanent lo uh, the loss is about five percent um so compared to the hundred percent move that's that's not that big um but it's, it is there you need to know and you need to understand that it's there and that it's happening um the other thing is um you need to have an understanding of what pool you get into because that's the reason why people love the stablecoin pools because if you are in a stablecoin pool there is a really really low chance that this goes this moves by 100 percent usually the stablecoin pools fluctuate over time around the same price so if you go in there's a low risk of having some significant loss from the from the shift of the pools that's why stablecoin pools are so interesting if you have a pool with one extremely volatile asset like dfi and against a stablecoin you risk a stronger move and therefore a stronger uh, a stronger shift in the pool and therefore a stronger loss um, if you for example go into a pool like dfi btc um, you expect some shifts we see shifts but if the whole market pumps i mean it's more likely that dfi pumps a thousand percent compared to usdd mm -hmm. than that dfi pumps a thousand percent against btc um, just because when the whole market pumps both will go up they, they might move but that's all um, basically your investment strategy what you want to do and for me that's that's the beauty of DeFi chain where we say okay um, depending on what you expect from the market there is a good strategy possible on the market so mm -hmm. let's say like Dene Kagawa does it that he said when I'm expecting a sideways market or a down market I go into the USDD DFI pool because then I get rewards I get cash flow during a side market or down market if it's a down market I even dollar cost, dollar cost average into DFI so once I say oh now the bottom is probably in I go out of the pool um, I have more DFI than I had before so I basically bought more um, and then I shift to another pool so if you expect a sideward or down market you can go into USDD DFI or it's always sideward or down compared to what so DFI versus USDD then you go into USDD into that or you go into BTC DFI because you expect DFI to fall against BTC or the other way around whatever your focus is if you think DFI will pump like crazy in the next month or two months or half a year um so like do a 10x to a thousand percent um then it's probably not smart to go into the USDD DFI pool because you risk a strong loss and you dollar cost average out of your DFI doing this pump then you either go into a DFI BTC because you expect the whole market to pump 
Or if you think, no, that's just DFI. DFI has a great use case. Um, we have the meta chain coming up. So DFI will explode compared to any other coin. I don't want any exposure in any other coin. I want only the DFI exposure. Um, then you just take your DFI, put it into a vault. Your DFI are safe. No, no loss on the DFI whatsoever. No change in the tokens whatsoever. Um, you take the DFI into the vault, mint your token, uh, mint DUSD and a stable D token, SPY, for example. Put those two into a loan, uh, into a liquidity mining, and let it work there. There you have you have the risk of an impermanent loss or a loss in the D tokens. So you have a shift there that you need to offset afterwards, but you get the rewards, you get the commission, and this shift is far less than your 1,000% bump <laughs> um, from DFI. If you have a 1,000% bump from DFI, you have a strong loss. You, will, you would have a strong impermanent loss if you are in the pool. If SPY moves 30% on the year, yes, and then you have a one zero point five percent loss. Now we're gonna now we're now we're gonna have everybody following the strategy. One hundred percent, you're gonna see everybody's going in there. Maybe one disclaimer: this is not the investment device from Kiki's side here. This is one possible move to do, and it has to fit your personal exactly. investment strategy. No, not that everybody no, no says we have to advice. do this. We do the Kagara, we do the Kagara scenario, and now we do the Kiki scenario, and then. No, um, that's, that's just what, exactly no financial advice or anything. Just what I, what I want to say is um, you need to understand with every investment, every time, you need to understand what you're doing, what, how the market, how the mechanics work of this thing, and then choose your strategy. And what I find so beautiful on, uh, on DeFi chain is that you are able to choose a fitting tool for your strategy. Mm -hmm. If you think exactly. DFI will go to zero, you have something that you can do there that makes sense to go into the DUSD and just go to SPY and go to the D tokens. Um, if you think it will be flat over the next time against USDD, you have something that's most profitable for you. Mm -hmm. If you think it will be flat against BTC, but I don't know where BTC DFI moves. That's what, what people did in the last weeks where we said, okay, um, Maybe it will, the whole market may go down, the whole market may go up, but BTC DFI might stay relatively flat. Then that pool is perfect for you. If you think it will bump like crazy, I want to have full exposure, you go into the world and mint your tokens and go into the liquidity mining. So there's a lot of um, possibilities and fitting possibilities for the different strategies. What strategy you use depends totally on your portfolio, it depends totally on what you expect from the market, mm. but you, you have so many possibilities. And one important thing, and that's what we basically forgot before, is this, we have now here the two cases of loss, the case of coins and the case of dollars. And what case affects you when, or what's, what's the thing that's important for you? Mm -hmm. So if you are in a case that you bought the DFI, that you bought the USDD, so you have it in your account, um, in your wallet, um, then this case affects you because then it matters for you how your portfolio would have performed compared to in the liquidity mining or without liquidity mining. So your impermanent loss in dollars is what's, or your loss in dollars is what's interesting. If you don't have it in your account, but you follow the, the everything into the world and mint both tokens, mint the DUSD and mint the SPY, 
and put that into liquidity mining, then you don't care about that at all. You only care about this side because afterwards you still have the loan in the tokens. You still, if you take one DUSD, uh, one DUSD is a loan and I don't know, let's, let's say one SPY <laughs> and, and, and pretend that it's, mm -hmm. that, that it's a cheap SPY. Um, afterwards, you still have the loan in that amount. So you need to pay back th those coins, no matter how the pool shifted, no matter what SPY is worth now, mm -hmm. you still need that. If, if you do Tesla and DUSD and Tesla bumps by 200%, you still need to pay back your Tesla amount. Regardless, so you regardless out, how expensive they are, you owe a certain amount of coins or token. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And you need to pay back this, this loan amount. Um, so in this case, you would have 0.01 of the one token more. Mm -hmm. You would need to swap that to the other token because this additional token doesn't bring you anything because you don't want that. You just take it for liquidity mining. So you swap that to the other token and the the, the, the gap that you have here between those two, that's your loss in coins that you will need to fill from commissions, from rewards or from whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so then if you, if you mint both, the only thing that's important for you is the loss in coins, which is luckily less than the loss in dollars. So minting for the win. Cool. So really two different losses and they apply to two different strategies. Okay, interesting. Nobody explained it that way so far, but I think that's a very, very good input because people tend to forget. I think the percentage in coins is normally not so much looked at. People normally always look at the dollar amount, but it's really, really important to have this other scenario as well. Cool. I mean, I understand where this comes from mm. because Till we had the volts, yeah, it wasn't relevant. Right? This case mm. wasn't really important for you yeah. because it's always about the dollar value because you own the coins. With the volts now, you suddenly have the case that you don't own the coins, but you you minted them, and therefore you have a completely different use case and scenario. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Good, Kugi. Fantastic. We are longer than we thought, but I think there's so much to talk about. Um, I think that sums it up quite nicely. Maybe maybe one last thing, and then I hand the word over to you again. So the impermanent loss exists, yeah? So Kuyi <laughs> confirmed there is something like impermanent loss. But I think what he also explained very well is um, is reversible, very important. And the second thing, always offset your earnings, your rewards that you got against this loss. And maybe Kuyi, one more question. What, I, I don't know, I think we haven't touched it yet. Impermanent loss. Fair enough. How dramatic can impermanent loss be? How about how many percents are we talking, for example, if one asset really explodes like crazy? Um, I said that before. <laughs> um, when we say when it bumps 100 percent, okay. you are around may, may, maybe 5%. let it work different. What happens if it goes 10x or 20x? Can this be so dramatic that it was really? I mean, does it kind of wipes you out on the other side? Because you constantly buy, you constantly lose coins. Um, Give me an extreme value, just that everybody understands it, it what can be a crazy. thousand if percent. You, if you go a thousand percent, yeah. your impermanent loss is 42%. Okay. So if you, that, that, that's what I, what I say. If you think that your one asset compared to the other will pump like crazy, 
it's not not really smart to stay in this pool i mean in the end you have 42 percent um but you earn the rewards i mean it depends how fast it pumps right it depends how fast it pumps mm. and it depends what's your apr that's why the APR um, in the T tokens are also based on the volatility of the asset because it needs to offset this um, this imp uh, this loss uh, risk. Okay. Um, so if you think your coin or one of the coins will pump a thousand percent within a few months, don't go into that liquidity pool <laughs> because that you you would have a loss and your loss will probably be bigger. Than the rewards that you get. Mm -hmm. um, the question is, how realistic is it that something pumps, as, or how, how sure are you about the hundred, the thousand percent? Mm -hmm. And even if you have the thousand percent and you have a forty percent um, um, impermanent or in, a loss when you go out, if you stay in the pool afterwards and average it out, for example, you get fifty percent APR and it pumps now in one month a thousand percent. Yeah, okay, maybe it will pump another thousand percent in the next month, but that's <laughs> not that likely. It's more likely that it either goes down again because it's a, it's a, it's a bubble or it stays there and then trades there. And if you stay in this pool for a year, you get your 50% if you are at 50% rewards or something, especially with DFI. If you think DFI pumps and your rewards are in DFI, means your rewards go up. Um, the worst case would be to be in Tesla, for example, that's what GME or whatever, some pump coin, a pump uh, token. <laughs> if you are in GME and GME pumps a thousand percent, but DFI stays stable and you are in GME um, DUSD, then you have your 42% impairment uh, loss on this thousand percent pump from GME, assuming that this is over this stays, um, but your rewards in DFI are not increasing. If you are rewards are in DFI and you are in the DFI pool, you get DFI rewards that increase in value too. So the rewards that you get in the beginning are also worth more afterwards. Um, so it's a bit, it's offsets over time. But if you think your coin will pump 1000% in the next week, That's don't go way. into the coin versus stablecoin um, pool. Put it in the world and mint tokens. Exactly. And stake it and be happy and get some rewards. Exactly. And, and stake wait, it wait for the thousand percent pump that Kugi promised now. <laughs> because exactly. Kugi, Kugi said and demystified DFI is going to pump thousand percent and another thousand percent. Yo, yeah. cool. Kugi, so we've seen so many scenarios, so many ifs and whens, and I think it's really good that you kind of explained in detail what makes sense, what does make so much sense and how it can be also calculated because I think it's quite surprising how simple the audit market maker formula is. It's pretty basic, right? This is, it's basic math. It's, yeah. it's really nothing. It's, nothing so fun. now we learned why we do math in school, that you then know how your impermanent loss works on a DAX. Kugi, thank you so much uh, for taking the time for these fantastic graphics and for explaining everything in detail. Thanks everybody out there for watching. I hope that was helpful. Leave us a comment, send Kugi a nice message if you uh, like what you've seen and also come back with feedback. What do you wanna hear next? What can Kugi explain? I think he's doing an absolutely fantastic job here. And uh, yeah, our idea is just to shed some light on some myths and maybe even bust some. 
Thank you so much for watching and see you the next time when we demystify DeFi chain again. Thank you and bye-bye.